Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the show which helps you lead to where God has placed you. I'm Andy Pegg. Mention the word entrepreneur and leaders such as Sir Alan Sugar or Sir Richard Branson may come to mind. We have long seen the word in purely business terms. You probably haven't heard the word in the context of church and Christian mission. But in fact, entrepreneurial leadership does fit well into that world. And many modern thinkers are alarmed that the approach of Sir Alan Sugar on TV programmes such as The Apprentice is seen as any kind of model. So how should we understand entrepreneurial leadership? And what role might it play within your leadership? Or how can you be more entrepreneurial? I'm delighted to welcome Richard Tiplady to be my guest. Long-term listeners will recognise him as the former principal of International Christian College Glasgow and the founding principal of Scottish, uh, Scottish School of Christian Mission, where he's still a visiting lecturer. He's now on research sabbatical, studying for a doctor of business administration and doing research on the development of entrepreneurial leadership in the church in Scotland at Glasgow Caledonian University. So welcome back, Richard, to Leadership File. Thank you, Andy. It's great to be back again. Uh, now, you've, you've swapped classrooms and offices for the, for the library, so how's it going? I'm enjoying every minute of it, to be honest. Um, I've never really had a proper sabbatical um, in, uh, in my ministry, and it's something I've always been conscious of. I've seen um, people who've had sabbaticals and benefited from them, and, and to be honest, I've seen um, people who haven't had sabbaticals and probably should. Yeah, um, yeah. And I was aware in my own life of... Um, just um, one um, ministry after another, and um, you get tired after a while. And so I made a decision to take some time out, um, and uh, I was doing this doctoral research anyway part-time, um, but I've decided to take a, at least six months uh, full-time, um, and I'm very privileged to be able to do that for a few months to uh, try and get my, my research completed, and I'm loving every minute of it, really enjoying it. Well, that's, that's great to hear. So let, let's be clear, this conversation is looking at entrepreneurial leadership, if I can say the word, I stumbled over the, into the introduction, as it pertains yep. to gathered community of believers in church and other situations within the church in Scotland. It's not the Church of Scotland. That's right. That's right. The broader Christian church across Scotland. That's yep. right. And it's partic- I'm particularly looking at entrepreneurial leadership um, when I say within the church, we're talking about Christian organisations as well as uh, of all kinds. So congregations, charities, there are some social business, social enterprises run by Christians that have got a Christian ethos. Um, there's some church plants as well as some existing um, congregations. Um, and entrepreneurial leadership is a, a form of leadership that can actually be expressed in all those different kinds of situations. So as I said in the introduction, um, many would think of entrepreneur in the business sense. Um, so can you define entrepreneurial leadership for listeners, um, as, it, as particularly as it relates to uh, the topic that you're looking at? Yes, yeah, of course. As you say, the common um, misunderstanding of entrepreneurship is that it's about either starting your own business or running a small business. And, and that's not at all what it, um, it means um, certainly historically in um, in academic literature and so on how I'm using it. Um, I'm using two, uh, two different working models, uh, two different definitions. The first one is the classic definition of entrepreneur, which comes from the work of an Austrian economist called, called Joseph Schumpeter. And he observed that all um, capitalist systems tend towards monopolies and towards stagnation. Um, and what the role of the entrepreneur does is to bring renewal into these systems that are stuck 
um, he coined the phrase creative destruction. And so an entrepreneur will um, bring something into being um, that breaks um, stagnant, stuck patterns of working. Um, and that seems to me to be something that um, we can learn from within the church, because it's not something that is applies so to business, it applies to social bodies of all kinds, including voluntary organizations and churches. Um, and I think it's fair to say that while there are a remarkable number of um, church leaders and Christian leaders of all kinds um, trying to work out what to do um, in these days that we've been given, um, sometimes we feel a bit stuck. The second definition sounds contradictory, um, and so probably is, um, and that is that an entrepreneurial leader um, is someone who is able to lead in highly turbulent, challenging, and competitive environments, and they're able to seize opportunities that those the rapidly changing environment offers. Um, so they're, um, rather than breaking a, a stuck system, they're actually um, whitewater rafting, they're surfing the rapids and grasping opportunities. Um, and that does feel a bit like the context, uh, the culture that we live in today. Now, they sound contradictory, but they both seem to have an element of, of truth to them to me. And so um, I think I prefer to call them paradoxical. And I think that um, both those ways of thinking have something um, that we can learn from. Um, so entrepreneurial leadership really is is just a distinct form of leadership. It's a distinct approach to leadership. And what I'm concerned to do is try and work out where are we seeing that in the church in Scotland? Uh, where is it happening? And I want to try and work out, well, how is it happening? Why is it happening? What what can we learn from that so we can have more of it? All right. And um, do you have examples of uh, the kind of things, either either real examples or the kind of things that you might mean by entrepreneurial leadership, having, having just defined it really helpfully? Uh, yes. Well, so, so, for instance... Yeah, so for instance, um, I... Um, I promise anonymity to some of my Indeed. interviewees, no, sure, so sure. I'll, I'll, I'll be descriptive rather than naming things. Of course, of course, but, yeah. But <clears throat> in a few cases, it's church planting. So there's been a number of church plants that I have, church planters that I've interviewed, but um, one has been in an extremely wealthy, um, privileged sort of waterfront community, highly atomized, um, where there is no common communal space at all in the development. Everyone lives in their flats, everyone's extremely wealthy, but these people's Billy Christ. Um, there's been some really interesting stuff going on um, um, amongst uh, refugees and asylum seekers. Um, there's some people church planting in some of Glasgow's most deprived districts. Um, and these are all people that are trying to um, do something new in, in challenging mission environments. It's as simple as that. That's nothing new. There's some church leaders that are trying to uh, bring significant change in their church. Um, their church maybe is a bit stuck and they're trying to bring some form of change or renewal. So that, again, would fit. Um, there's a number of charities. Um, there's one which is a, a, well, it's a Christian charity, but it actually runs, um, for want of a better word, and, I'm, and I appreciate this might um, upset some people, but I hope they'll hear what I'm saying. It's the Christian equivalent of a psychic fair. Um, so um, they run these events in pubs and Costa and Starbucks and anywhere else. Um, but instead of, you know, the sort of things that you would get in a psychic fair, there is prophetic readings and uh, dream interpretation. And, and there's a huge world of, of, of spirituality. You know, the kind of person that says, I'm spiritual but not religious, and the kind of phrase that we might want to react against and say, oh, hang on a minute. Um, but actually there's a huge number of people that would describe themselves that way and do not look at the church as a place where they will expect to find spirituality. But 
we want to introduce them to Jesus, or these people want to introduce them to Jesus, and so they're trying something new. Um, they're they're taking up a seizing opportunity. They're trying something new. Um, there's someone using uh, songwriting and creative arts with prisoners um, to try and reduce reoffending. Um, there's somebody who's um, take uh, work set up cooperatives in Ghana to import. Um, shea butter over to Glasgow to set up a small social business to employ ex-offenders and um, ex-addicts to create an employability program. So a real variety of initiatives, um, all of which are trying something new, trying to break new ground, seizing some opportunities, um, and, and operating somewhat on the margins of traditional forms of mission and church. Right. So uh, th those are classically the second definition, in a sense, the surfers of the people who are looking at the culture and and trying to make the most of of the opportunities that are there. Perhaps the church yes. plant the church planting is kind of trying to take um, I suppose an existing model that's got stuck and say, well, how can that be reimagined in a in other environments where people it, can it be? It can more... be. It can be a you know um, you know we we're, we're not new with our language of emerging church or missional church, but that might be one particular approach, or it yeah. might be just saying. Here is a community that is not being reached. Mm. So how do we go about doing it in a different way? You know, it, um, clearly everything we've done up till now is not working. So let's try experimenting. And um, by definition, the people that I've interviewed need to have have made some, shall we say, progress. And the word success is a very difficult and tricky one because a lot of these things are quite fragile, and I think we need to be quite cautious with that language. But they are they're doing something worthwhile and. Um, they have learned something on the way, and I want, in my research, to try and work out what makes these people tick, what motivates them, what's, what has worked, what's helped them, what's hindered them, um, how can we better support people like that, and ultimately how can we, we across the church as a whole, um, create an environment where individuals like that um, feel that they can step out and know that they're going to be supported and backed up rather than um, in any way discouraged. Well, I mean, in this conversation, Richard, I do I do need to mention, of course, Premier Radio CEO's Peter Kerridge, who recently uh, wrote a book, If Entrepreneurs Ran the Church. So yes, commend yes. commend that book for those who are interested. Mm. But um, you I, know, um, but, but I, the, the I have read it. You I have read it. Yeah. Okay, I have. Yes, <laughs> I won't I, have, ask, I, have I won't it. ask you to re review it on air. But um, <laughs> but you know, why are, why do you think entrepreneurs are often excluded? Because the implication of Peter's question is, well, entrepreneurs don't run the church. <laughs> um, you know, do you think they have been excluded? Is that fair? Uh, it, it's an interesting point, actually, that he, that he makes. And certainly talking to um, quite a few of these folks, um, and, um, well, the certain language they they would be using is that we need to release the apes. Oh, um, right. That's, a, that's an expression I've heard. Now, um, they're referring to the um, apest um, or apect formula of Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors or shepherds and, and teachers. Um and um, I think it's fair to say that, by and large, pastors and teachers run the church. I mean, they do. That's where most of the jobs are. That's where most of the people seem to be called. It's certainly where the role models are. Um, and so someone who's feeling any kind of call to, to uh, full-time Christian work of some kind or other, that's where the jobs are. That's where the role models are. Um, and that requires a certain set of gifts and skills. Um, but ultimately, that's what the church has been looking for, particularly in a, shall we say, a more stable Christendom environment. But we do need to find ways of um, 
releasing those with apostolic, prophetic and evangelistic gifts. I've switched language from entrepreneurship to, to biblical language, but yes. um, but there's some overlap in, in meaning. And um, um, and I think those individuals are disruptive. Um, they are, as I've um, discovered in my research, these, these are people who ask questions, they challenge the system, um, they tend to see things differently. They, they probably... Um, some church leaders feel they're just fully paid up members of the awkward squad. Um, but they are they they do see things from a different perspective. They ask the question, why don't we do this? And they, they're not prepared just to stick with the status quo. And that, that doesn't make them always the most popular or most comfortable people in churches. Well, you're listening to The Leadership Farm with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Richard Tiplady, and we'll be back just after this. Welcome back to the Leadership Farm with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Richard Tiplady. Uh, Richard is a former principal of International Christian College Glasgow and the founding principal of Scottish School of Christian Mission. He's now uh, doing on a research sabbatical, particularly looking at uh, the development of entrepreneurial leadership in the church in Scotland at Glasgow Caledonian uh, University. We were talking before the break a little of, uh, of, of what entrepreneurial means within the, the Christian and, so, uh, and church context and uh, uh, and one of the reasons why they've they've typically been excluded from local church, even though they've been very much part of uh, Christendom itself, uh, and indeed pioneering the, the mission movements around the place. Um, in terms of motivation for the the Christian entrepreneur, um, yes, uh, Richard. I mean, the the, the classic um, observation is that business entrepreneur is in it for the money and for the flexibility of lifestyle. What what do you think kind of motivates the Christian entrepreneur? Yes. Actually, I think that um, Christian entrepreneurs are motivated quite often by the same motives as uh, entrepreneurs who are not Christians. Um, and it is something of a misconception to think that, that they are primarily motivated by money. That's right. the, the broader entrepreneurs. Sure. Um, there are those that are, and they tend um, to stand out um, fairly clearly, but they're actually a minority. The the broader research suggests that entrepreneurs are motivated by the same thing, and, and primarily it's a desire to do things better. Okay. That ultimately is what drives them. They look at a situation, you know, I was describing earlier, they're the kind of people who ask questions and, and challenge the system, but they, are, they want to do things better. They said, you know what, this, there's something wrong here, this isn't working. And, and what I've discovered, and this has been a really interesting thing for me, they the people I've been researching is they they're the kind of people who say um, someone should do something about this and that person might as well be me and and to my surprise the people I've um, been talking to have not been experts in the particular field um, that they've got themselves into they have what I've called a strong sense of personal agency they've got a sense of I could do this I should do this but what they then do is they just get on with it and um, there's a there's a phrase build the plane as you fly it i mean they just they just cobble together from the resources at hand the you know the, the little bit of money and some friends and some you know contacts and networks and and they've got a bit of a vision and they just get people on board and just say let's try this and and because they have and they do need to have some leadership skills in terms of being able to set some kind of vision and communicate well and and what have you, um, people will um, catch a vision, and before you know it, they've got something up and running. Um, and and what they're ultimately trying to do is is um, make something better, whether that's a better product in the more general entrepreneurship uh, sector, or to be perfectly honest, in the Christian world, how do we evangelise better? How do we 
pastor better? How do we serve our society better? How do we bring transformation and compassion in Jesus' name better? You know, if something's not quite working, if something's stuck, which is going back to what I said earlier, how do we make it better? And that's what drives them all. Now, they do tend to also like flexibility and they're quite independent of spirit. And they do need to have some degree of comfort with uncertainty and risk and and, and to live with that. But but actually, it doesn't mean they don't find it difficult. They're prepared to do it. They're prepared to pay the cost because they're driven by ultimately a, a vision, a passion for something. Um, and, and and in terms of the, the Christian um, entrepreneurial leaders that I've been interviewing, it's, it's a passion for serving Christ, making him known, um, bringing transformation in Jesus' name. That's what's driving them. Now, uh, Richard, the, the Church of England has uh, recognised that standard training approaches are insufficient to attract and assist would-be pioneers, and so they've adjusted accordingly, at least in theory anyway, as a, a formal training provider. I wonder if how you've um, have you had thoughts about uh, you know, how your training could have been different or yes. might have been different as you've reflected upon um, developing these kind of folk? Well, absolutely. And, and you said the church have actually made something of a, a significant shift. And it's actually something we did at, um, with Scottish School of Christian Missions. So we have, or the, well, I suppose I would say they now, although I'm still connected to the college, um, sure. a certificate in pioneer ministry, okay. um, which would fit this very well. That can be done one year full time, two years part time. But the kind of person I've been describing isn't going to say, oh, I've got an exciting vision. I'm going to put it on hold for a year or two while I read some books and then I'll get on with it. Right. So what we need are training programs that says, right, you get on with it, we'll support you while you go, and um, we'll backfill the knowledge that you need as you go. You work out, you know, there's a few things you probably need to know, but you know what, the rest of it will work out together, and um, we'll help you build it as you go. Um, and so the, the, the pioneer training in the Church of England um, very much follows that model, um, and the pioneer certificate SSEM is the same thing. We Now, that model of training is actually something that's happening more broadly in training for ministry anyway the the, the shift to a more context-based placement-based um, type of training um, is something that is beginning to take hold elsewhere but it has particular relevance here and we're talking you know 20 hours a week in placement and maybe one or two days a week in in college in total so we're talking a very significant part of the training is is as you go, learn as you go, think, learn, reflect, come across a situation, go and find the knowledge you need. You know, it's that kind of cobbling together um, idea that um, in, there's, a, there's a phrase used sometimes in the literature, which is a bricolage, um, which is um, the French word for DIY. And that's a really good way of putting it, <laughs> right. I think, that, that you just, you know, you, yeah, you, you DIY it as you go. Right. And our training needs to be that. And we need to have training institutions that are flexible enough to do that, to equip and support these people. Okay. Um, yeah. Now, in his book, uh, Reinventing English Evangelicalism, 1966 to 2001, uh, Rob Warner wrote about evangelicalism as being entrepreneurial. He wrote of the new church movement of evangelicalism generally, especially under Clive Calver, uh, who led the horse the Evangelical Alliance. He talked about Spring Harvest, about Alpha, I mean, do you think these are kind of examples in our recent past of, of entrepreneurial leadership? I do. I think he's absolutely spot on. And Alpha is a great example. I mean, if you think about in the way evangelism is now done post-Alpha, 
Um, it's completely changed the terms of the game. Um, you know, the idea of a meeting to which you invite an evangelist to speak is, is far less common now. Um, now it's all around small groups and it's more of a, well, a Christian catechism type approach. Um, it is the genius of evangelicalism, I will say this. Um, but like anything, like all of us, you know, we are, we're made in the image of God and we're fallen. And so what we see in evangelical Christianity is a remarkable entrepreneurial spirit. Um, and because it's not linked to any particular church structure or denomination, evangelical Christianity is obviously cuts across um, um, all the denominations, then um, it's fluid, it's flexible, people can build relationships and networks to do things. But that's why we split and that's why we fragment and that's why we um, duplicate. And we can lament that and it can be frustrating, um, and it is, but it's, you can't have one without the other. Right. Um, the two go together. One is the, the fallen shall we say, dimension of the other. Um, so um, I, I loved the, what, what one of my um, uh, interviews uh, said to um, the, uh, a senior church leader was, you need me to be a maverick, but I, you need me to be a relational maverick. Right. And I thought that was superb because mm. he was saying, I'm going to go off and do my own thing, but I'm also going to talk to you and be friends with you all the time as well, and I'm not going to snub my nose at you and you know turn my back on you. And I think that's the right spirit. You know, we need mavericks. We need people that are going to um, get off and, and do things when everyone else says they shouldn't. But we, we need to stay relational. We need to stay friends. We need, so we need that environment that means that folks like this don't feel snubbed or have their back turned on them, but actually feel supported and released and encouraged. Um, and and I, that's what gives me hope for um, the future of the gospel in the UK. Um, that's why I want to study this subject. It's about saying, um, okay, there are these people in the church. It is a particular characteristic of evangelical Christianity. Um, how do we release these people more effectively because they're there? Um, the future in 10, 20 years' time, we don't know what it's going to look like, but there are some of the people sat in our churches now chafing at the bit, frustrated, um, can see something he's doing and they're going to be the ones that um, make it happen wouldn't it be great if we help them to make it happen rather than um, hinder them yeah. well that was going to be one of my next questions Richard and that is you know uh, some listeners uh, are listening they're leading they know they're not particularly entrepreneurial maybe they're pastors teachers or whatever in a, a local church or maybe yeah. they're they're kind of manager stroke leaders uh, and can they cultivate this themselves do they need to just find you know, someone different? What's your advice to them? I think, you know, each person needs to be aware of what their own gifting is, but secure in that and not threatened by people who are different. So if you know that's your gifting and it's not you, you probably you probably will have those people in your church. Um, you might not have as many as you should because you may be the culture you've created in your church means they're going somewhere else. Right, indeed. Yeah. Um, and that's something you need to look at yourself <laughs> at and say, right, what have I done wrong here then? Um you know, I remember speaking at one event and um, about leadership development, and someone said, "I've got no, I've got no potential leaders in my church." And to be honest, I was a, didn't really feel I could say what I wanted to say, which was, <laughs> yes. "Well, whose fault is that?" Because <laughs> <laughs> yes. I said, "Well, I've never come across that. They're there." Um, <clears throat> what I um, pre a, a, a previous job of mine um, was I was um, the British director of European Christian Mission, and in that context, what I used to say is the chief exec of the mission agency was that what I wanted to do was find the entrepreneurs, find the pioneers, find the mavericks, um, support them, resource them. Uh, when they fall over, not if, when, pick them up, dust them off and send them off again and protect them from all 
the organizational antibodies of criticism that will will um, tell them off um, and lend my you know my authority uh, speak up about it protect it resource it put some finances into it uh, endorse it um, it, it's about creating a culture where these people can flourish uh, rather than feeling stymied and I think that they are in every single church and I think it's within every single church leader's capacity to release these people I'm absolutely convinced of that right. now you're as we as we close Richard you're obviously doing this research do you need uh, people to get in touch with you uh, if they if they think they've got uh, illustrations for you or what where are you at and uh, can listeners be of help or of interest to you I would love to hear from anyone who wants to either share views or um, give me their thoughts on the subject um, or, or even just ask more uh, from me. Um, they will be able to contact me through um, the Scottish School of Christian Mission. Um, you can still contact me through that. They'll find me on Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, having a name Richard Tiplady means I'm not that hard to find. Um, sure. Um, I am blogging. Um, I have a, a website, um, a, a blog called Just About Leading, but I did check, and of course, um, there's a lot of Just About Leadings, um, so you won't find me if you Google easily using that. So Facebook and LinkedIn or SSCM are probably the best bets. Wonderful. Well, it's, it's been fascinating to chat with you. We could have gone on much, much longer, but thank you so much for all you've shared. I hope this is uh, going to be an inspiration to you if you're listening, and uh, uh, you know, as you look out, uh, maybe there's folk in your congregation who really need to be involved in different ways uh, to take your church or uh, other organization you're involved with on so thank you richard thanks andy it's been a pleasure and, and thank you for listening uh, do tune in next uh, sunday at 3 30 you've been listening to the leadership file on premier andy peck serves as a tutor at cwr a christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply god's word to everyday life contact him via email apec at cwr.org.uk Thank you.